Welcome to Impact, where we focus on helping you grow a business that amplifies your unique genius, multiplies your income, and transforms lives. Each episode, you'll discover an actionable framework based on what's working right now for top brands and thought leaders. In this episode, we'll discuss three hidden monetization mistakes and how to root them out of your business. Also, we'll discuss what is monetization shyness and how might it be secretly eroding your income. And finally, I'll give you six ways to avoid this profit killer. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jason Van Orden. If you're listening in for the first time, a big warm welcome to you. And for all of you returning listeners, thanks for tuning back in. Uh, Just really quickly up front, if you like what you hear today, I want to ask you a favor, and that is to go and leave an honest review wherever you might listen to your podcast, because your opinion will help me improve the show. And more importantly, it will help this podcast get found by more listeners like you. And better yet, you can always share this podcast with a friend or colleague that you think would like to learn how to serve more people, earn more income, and make a bigger impact in the world. World. Before we get into the main topic of this episode, I have a little confession to make, and that is that I have not been bringing my best game to this show. I mean, on the one hand, I put a lot of time into outlining the notes, putting together the frameworks, preparing a downloadable that you can uh, claim, get, get your hands on to accompany the, the things that you learn in this episode. But there's something that's been missing, and that is storytelling. You know, storytelling is such a powerful way in your content to convey the message that you want to convey, to illustrate as examples. And sure, I've dropped a few stories here and there, but as I was listening back to episode nine recently, and yes, I do recommend that you occasionally listen to your own podcast if you haven't, because it's a great way to realize things like I'm sharing with you right now. You know, it was very information heavy, and I sh- certainly hope that you got a lot of value out of that. But if there's Definitely one thing I have learned about effective communication over the years, it's that storytelling is what, the the stories are what people are going to remember. It's that thing that they're going to recall and then the accompanying principle will come forward in their mind as well. So here is my promise to you that I'm going to be telling more stories. It may be short anecdotes sometimes. Sometimes it might be a little more fleshed out stories, but in an endeavor to both make this more engaging and entertaining, I also know that it will make the information more memorable and therefore useful for you. I also, you know, to to reinforce this idea, I was talking to uh, a couple different people who listen to the show and it really stuck out to me in their comments about what they enjoyed. Both of them brought up specific stories that they remembered. So there's a little bonus tip as well as a promise I'm making to you as we uh, start out this episode. But uh, enough on that topic. With that, let's go ahead and talk about monetization. I know a lot of people listening to this show monetize their expertise, want to know new ways to monetize their expertise. You know, perhaps you've got uh, an email list and you're wondering, you know, how could I leverage that email list to make more money? You know, there are three easily overlooked mistakes when it comes to monetizing your expertise, monetizing your email list. And these mistakes, I find, will secretly siphon away your profit potential. These three monetization mistakes, mistakes that I want to talk about today are part of a phenomenon that I refer to as monetization shyness. You know, I'm often asked to look over my clients' monetization strategies to find the gaps. And monetization shyness is the first gap that I look for because it's so prevalent 
and so frequently goes unnoticed. I find it in businesses where somebody's just starting out. I find it in businesses where there are they, they've been at it for four or five plus years. In fact, sometimes I even find that this bites me as well. And I have to catch myself and then look at what I can do to make the necessary shifts. Because I know that when monetization shyness bites, it means that there's money and impact being left on the table. And many, many business owners, they, they fail to see this monetization shyness because the causes of it are counterintuitive and rooted in your mindset. And as I'm sure you know, your mindset is vital to the success and growth of your business. Your mindset can either be an elevator that takes you to new heights or a ceiling that keeps you from moving upward. And monetization shyness strikes, as I said, both the beginner and veteran business owners alike. So wherever you're at in your journey as an entrepreneur, as a thought leader, there's something in this episode for you. So in this episode, I'm going to deconstruct the three types of monetization shyness, or at least three of the types, three of the most common types. And then I'm going to offer you six specific ways you can root these things out of your mindset, out of your business and unlock new profit potential. And of course, for those of you who listen to the show, you know, I love frameworks and I put together a framework for each episode so you can download the framework. It's a downloadable guide that goes along with this episode. I call it the monetization shyness assessment, and it's just a great way for you to, first of all, remember the things that we're going to talk about on this episode, and then also go through that in order to apply the principles we're going to talk about very quickly to your business in order to see immediate results. So if you'd like to download the guide, the framework that goes along with this episode, you can do so by going to impactdownloads.com forward slash monetization shyness. That's all one word, impactdownloads.com forward slash monetization shyness. True or false? Every time someone unsubscribes from your email list, your business loses money. Any guesses? How about this? If I were to challenge you to email your list twice as often as you do right now, what would your immediate thought or response be to that challenge? You know, many marketers would say that it's true. You lose money whenever somebody unsubscribes from your list. So be careful about having too many people unsubscribe. And that if a certain email gets too many people unsubscribing, then certainly something must have gone wrong. And the truth is, you know, many years ago, I would have said that that statement was true as well. Unsubscribes equal money lost in my business. But the truth is that avoiding unsubscribes is costing you money. Here's some proof. Global email marketing agency Alchemy Works ran a test over an entire year to find out the real impact unsubscribes had on the bottom line. And what they found out was really interesting. In this test, they doubled the frequency with which they emailed their list. They went from emailing the list four times a month to emailing the list eight times a month. And as you might expect, unsubscribes went up. In fact, they doubled. However, that's not the most interesting thing that happened. The other metric that they measured during this test was the amount of money being made per subscriber on the list. So on average, how much money was being made for every subscriber on the list? And they found out that when they emailed their list twice as often, in other words, by trying to keep everyone on the list happy and not emailing as often, they were actually bleeding potential profit. 
When it comes down to it, there are two primary reasons why we have it ingrained in our brain to avoid having people unsubscribe from our list. And really at the root of it, at the root of both of these reasons is our ego. You know, on the one hand, we have this idea that list size is a measurement of success. We love to talk about how big our list is and ask other people about how big their list is. And if somebody has 60,000 people on their list and somebody else has 6,000 on their list, well, this person with 60,000 people on the list must be more successful or more profitable. And then also there's just that sense of feeling rejected when somebody unsubscribes from your list. And again, I understand, like I have to filter out those metrics because I just don't want them affecting my strategic decisions. I know that sometimes I am going to be prone to having those feelings of ego of like, oh, I don't want somebody unsubscribing from my list. But the numbers are very clear here that it costs us money to cling to this idea. Now, my point here is not to tell you, you need to go out and double how often you are emailing your list. However, this brings us to the first monetization mistake, and that is not emailing your list enough. Sometimes I talk to people about their email list strategy and they say, oh, I, I only email my list just once a month. I don't want anybody to you know, consider me spammy. And that certainly is not frequently enough. At the very minimum, you need to be in touch with your list once a week. So here's the big takeaway. The important metric is not how many people unsubscribe from your list. It's how much value you deliver to and how much money you make from and the impact you generate for those who stay on your list. So monetization mistake number one, monetization shyness mistake number one is not emailing your list often enough. So that brings us to monetization shyness mistake number two. You know, one time I was talking to a client who was disheartened by the poor performance of her promotion that she had run earlier in the year. And she said, you know, I just don't understand why this didn't make more money, why I didn't have more people buy. And I was asking her, like, how, how many people do you have in your list? Do you feel like they're the right kinds of people? Are they targeted enough? I asked her questions about the, the offer, the pricing, and all those things. And then finally it occurred to me to ask her, how many times have you emailed your list about this promotion? And she said, oh, three times. And immediately I knew what the issue was. She hadn't sent enough emails, at least for the type of promotion that she was doing. Sure, there might be some very highly targeted specific types of promotions that with just one or two or three emails, you're going to be fine. But for most campaigns, for them to be as effective as they need to be, for you to make the case of the value that you are offering before giving them an opportunity to buy, it's going to require more than just three emails. Any campaign needs to take your readers, your subscribers on a journey. It needs to tell a story. And that's going to take more than three emails. If you hold back in an effort not to upset people, then you're letting down those who might really be interested and they deserve to have all of the information they need. They deserve to have their questions answered. They deserve to have a clear illustration of what's possible. If they decide to invest in your solution, they deserve to have their concerns addressed, to be given proof, to have a chance to connect with the value of your offer and what it can do with them. And that's just going to take more than a handful of emails. And there's a way to do that and have your audience feel good about it. I would say that a good promotion, at the end of a good promotion, even those who didn't buy should feel like they really got something of value. They should feel like the relationship with you has been strengthened, that they've been given some kind of valuable insight 
or even something that might go and put into action. And so there's a way to take people even through seven to 10 email sequence and to still have it not just be pitch, 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 but to have it be an experience that people will thank you for whether or not they end up buying. I recently put together a promotion like this with a client of mine who typically her habit was to just send these one-off emails of, hey, here, I have this thing. Here's what it is. Check it out. Buy it if you want. You know, just kind of like these light touches, right? Because she was afraid to do more than that. But for the first time, we put together a proper sequence of emails that you know presented an opportunity and then backed that up with a case study, connected with them on an emotional level, empathized with the situations, the pains, the issues that they were dealing with, helped them understand better the problem that they were dealing with. And just today, in fact, I got an email from her saying, I have never received responses from emails in this way. So even though the emails that she's sending are a promotion, are in the end trying to sell a new program that she has, people are emailing her and thanking her for what she is sharing in those emails. So that's the key to being able to sell your programs the way that you want. And if you pull your punches, if you pull back and you don't send enough emails, you won't have an opportunity to do that. At some point in the future, I'll do an episode that talks about the different elements to put into a promotional campaign to get that kind of effect with it. That brings us to the third monetization mistake or form of monetization shyness. We've talked about two so far. We've talked about not emailing your list often enough in general, not sending enough emails as a part of a promotional campaign. And this one is about not selling to your audience at all. And I see this quite often. I want to illustrate this with a story about Pat Flynn. I think uh, you'll enjoy this if you're a fan of Pat Flynn. For those who don't know Pat Flynn, he is the host of a very uh, an excellent podcast about internet business called Smart Passive Income. He was also a student of Internet Business Mastery, which was my last business. Uh, and we had an academy, we had a coaching program and such, and that's where he got a start in launching his first business, which was to help people pass the lead exam, to help architects pass the lead exam. But then he started this other block, Smart Passive Income. And at first it was just, you know, a way for him to share his journey as he went along. Here are the things I'm trying out. In fact, that's still the approach that he takes. And it's something that in the end people really ended up joining and he amassed a, a large audience for that. But in those early days when he did start getting some traction, his, uh, his income was 100% dependent on affiliate income. He got commissions for recommending hosting and other tools to those who consumed his, his content. And it was a nice way to make money. I think affiliate commissions are great. You know, you can do tutorials and, and things like that, reviews and such. And, you know, when people buy, you make a cut of those things. But I remember having multiple conversations with him at the time. I'm sure many others did as well, that he needed to come up with his own products as well. He was too dependent on other people's products to make money. And also he was just leaving a lot of money on the table and a lot of impact on the table by not creating his own products. Now, I can understand he had a concern that if he, quote unquote, was sold out by him starting to make and sell his own products, that people might start tuning out. And the truth is, some people probably did. Now, and these days, he does sell his own courses. And eventually, uh, you know, he came around and started doing that. But it took him a little while because he was worried about, well, what would happen to this audience that really likes me? And I haven't really sold to them in that way for all of these years. And I see this phenomenon quite often. And, you know, this can happen even with profitable coaching and consulting businesses. You have an established uh, reputation. You're good at what you do. You get referrals. So you have plenty of clients. You're making money. But 
you don't go out and sell your products or services at all. You just kind of depend on them coming in in ways that you don't totally control. And again, that's leaving a lot of money, a lot of impact, a lot of value on the table. And perhaps you have certain, you know, similar concerns about your own list. It certainly feels good to offer value and have your audience love you for it send out emails and make podcasts and do all these things and just, you know, have everybody, you know, give you great input, pat you on the back and say, Hey, this is your stuff's awesome. I love it. And it it wouldn't feel good then to sell them, sell to them, have, have them come around and say, Oh, I knew it. You were just trying to get us to buy your products the the entire time. And this is something I see people worry about sometimes is they, then they just don't sell at all. They don't package their expertise in new ways and they just kind of stay with the status quo of what they've got. But you have to realize that to deliver the most significant value and impact, you must focus on those who are ready to invest time, energy, and money in what you have to offer and be willing to let some of the others go. Be willing to let go of those who might come back and criticize you for selling things in a new way or raising your prices or selling to them at all. And in the end, it's, it's, it's founded in this monetization shyness, which is at some level all about this this ego that we have, this fear of rejection, this fear of bothering people, this shyness about the value that we have to offer. Well, today, Pat has built an even bigger and more robust business because he has diversified his income and he has many excellent courses, uh, all of which I would, I would recommend checking out because, uh, first of all, he's a real deal and he's also just a really great guy. And I want to underscore again, this is an easy one to overlook because you might be making money. Pat was making money with affiliate commissions. You might be getting those clients that show up and maybe you're doing fine. You're making an okay income. But if you want to grow that impact, if you want to grow that income and the value that you create in the world, then it's important to get comfortable with selling, packaging, selling and delivering your products and services in a new way and then promoting those to the audience that you've joined. Even if it means that some people will decide I'm out of here because... I was just here for the free stuff. Okay, so those are three types of monetization, shyness or monetization mistakes. There are others, but those are are three really common ones that are easy to overlook. And hopefully you've seen something in there that you might be able to adjust in your own practice and strategies in the way that you run and grow your own business. I want to give you a few more ideas. In fact, six ideas about how to shift things and uproot this monetization shyness in your business. And a lot of them have to do with mindset and the way that we think about the value that we offer. So the first tip I have is just to remember your reason why. You need to know what your mission is. You need to know that your mission ultimately is to impact people's lives and not to just play it safe with your ego. So keep referring back to, you know, whether it's a legacy you want to create, the difference you want to make in the world, the way you want to transform your industry, keep that top of mind and refer back to it so that when in those moments that you are tempted to pull back, your mission pushes you to lean forward. Tip number two is to believe in the value that you offer. You know, a lot of our monetization shyness, our, our fear of selling ourselves starts going away if we really understand the value, the impact, the change that what we have to offer makes in people's lives and what it is worth to them and believe that we deserve to get paid well for the offer, uh, for, the, for the value that we offer. So believe in that value. And whether it's getting those testimonials from clients that you can refer to and and be reminded of the transformation that you create in people's lives, 
whatever it might be, refer back to that and remember, you deserve to get paid for that value. And when you are promoting, when you are emailing more often, when you're emailing more times, when you're coming up with new products to sell to your audience, even if some people might be upset about it, it's all in the name of creating that transformation and value in people's lives. And you deserve to get paid for that because when you get paid well for that, you have resources then to do it for even more people to expand your visibility, to expand your impact. Tip number three is be careful what metrics you do, which metrics you track and give meaning to. We talked about this a little bit earlier. It's very easy to get caught up in the ego of having a big list or the ego of not having people unsubscribe. But when we look at those metrics as the measure of what we're doing, we're looking in the wrong place. You need to focus on those who are ready to invest, for those who are ready to work with you, those who you can serve and do your best work with right now, and be willing to let go of, ignore, whatever the case may be, those people who might criticize or leave or unsubscribe. So be careful which metrics you track and give meaning to, because those metrics can, if you're not careful, will reinforce that monetization shyness and will cost you money and impact. Tip number four is to foster a growth mindset. Part of this monetization shyness is that fear of rejection or disappointment. You know, it doesn't feel good to put something out there and have people criticize it, reject it, um, have it not go the way that we'd like to. And every one of these times that we, that, we, that we put ourselves out there, that we try to sell something new, that we try to sell in a new way, try to deliver value in a new way, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow. Tip number five is to consider other possible explanations in those times that somebody does maybe come forward and unsubscribe and say, oh yeah, you're, you're promoted, that was just far too many, you email me too often or whatever it might be. You know, the, the, the fringe, uh, the people on the fringes that, that when we listen to them, it, it keeps us from serving the people that we really want to serve. And so there's this great tip that I learned from a friend of mine, Melody Wilding, uh, Melody Wilding, who I will have on the podcast in the near future. She has a fantastic book coming out. And this is a tip that she calls the rule of five. And it's great for any time you get one of those emails where you suddenly feel like, oh no, somebody's upset at me. Somebody's mad at me. I've done something wrong. Somebody's disappointed in me. Um, and that is to think of five other reasons why someone did or didn't do that thing. You know, so if that coworker sends you that email, or let's bring it back to an example here. If somebody, you know, does email you in the middle of a promotion and say, you know, you're just, I'm tired of getting so many emails from you. You're just spamming me. And to them, it might feel like spam. Maybe they forgot why they signed up for your list. Maybe it's more than they thought, but it doesn't mean that it's not valuable to others, right? But at the same time, there are plenty of other reasons why somebody might unsubscribe or respond in a way that feels, uh, you know, critical or that kind of pokes at our ego. Maybe they're just having a bad day. I know that sometimes I unsubscribe on days and I'm just feeling overwhelmed and, you know, too many emails get in my inbox. I'm like, that's it. I'm unsubscribing from some of these, right? There are a lot. Of, so the rule of five is come up with five other reasons why someone did or didn't do something rather than just jumping to the worst case scenario and then basing our, the, the actions that we take after that on that assumption. So see if there's five different explanations you can come up that are more generous to you and more generous to the other person. And that's a good way to kind of work through these, these things that then, you know, if, if we get caught up in them, they do bring that monetization shyness to the surface and it ends up costing us and costing those that we want to serve. So that's my sixth tip is to, I'm sorry, my fifth tip, which is to consider what are some of the other possible explanations for these things. Tip number six, my final tip is to focus on those who are ready 
for what you have to offer. You know, the example here is sometimes I, when I, I work on sales pages with a client, we come up with all of the copy and it starts getting sometimes a little bit on the, on the longer side. And we hear people complain about long sales pages, but you know what? The truth of the matter is those who are likely to want to buy, who really want to consider what, whether or not to buy, they want that information. And also each person wants different information. So if you don't have all the different sections, if you don't have all the different ways of, of talking through and around uh, you know, why it is that you believe this is the solution for them, then you're just shortchanging yourself as well as those who are considering buying your, your product or service. And that's just one example. So what I always tell them is like, look, we are writing this, we are creating this page for those who are going to buy, not for those who are going to get frustrated because it's too long of a page. Those are the people that weren't going to buy anyway. So when it comes time to promote, think about those that you can't wait to serve that you can't wait for them to invest their time, money, and energy and get the results that you know that they're going to get. So six tips. Remember your reason why. Number two, believe in the value you offer. Number three, be careful of which metrics you track and give meaning to. Number four, foster a growth mindset. Number five, consider other possible explanations for people's actions. And six, focus on those who are ready for what you have to offer. Now, remember, if you'd like to download the monetization shyness assessment that I prepared for you that helps you apply the principles we've talked about here today to your own business, then you can do so by heading over to impactdownloads.com forward slash monetization shyness, all one word, impactdownloads.com forward slash monetization shyness, enter your email and I will send that guide to you right away. That's it for this episode of Impact. Thank you so much for listening. On the next episode, I bring on my dear friend, Jeffrey Shaw, author of Lingo and author of the upcoming book, The Self-Employed Life. You do not want to miss this interview. We talk about some brilliant ways to increase customer lifetime value. And we also talk about how you can turn your website into an emotional journey that prepares your ideal prospects to want to buy from you. That's all in the next episode. We'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.